You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. In this episode of Her Leadership Coach, we're going to chat about a bias that might feel familiar and yet at the same time not. It's called the prove it again bias. Now, if you've ever found yourself feeling like no matter how hard you work or how well you are doing in your performance, you still need to convince others of your competence, then you've probably experienced this bias. Before we go too far, though, I want to call out a few important points. And this these points apply to the entire season three series of Her Leadership Coach, where I'm going to be diving into a lot of different biases. So first, as I mentioned in last week's season three kickoff episode, um, there will be a range of biases that we're going to go over this season. And within each episode... I want to address three main things. So I will look at how each bias impacts us as women. So most of the gender bias we face these days is a lot more subtle than it used to be, right? Uh, I don't know if any of you have watched the Mad Men series, but the bias on that show was insane. And thankfully, we don't live in that world anymore However, that does not mean that bias doesn't exist and it does not mean that it doesn't impact us. And I believe if we shine a light on it, if we really look at it and see it, it makes it easier to deal with. And you might just discover why sometimes those niggling feelings you have that you're not quite sure of, that you can't quite place, they're actually for good reason. The second point is what organizations can do to help minimize the impact of these biases. So because bias is a human thing, we are all prone to it, men and women of all shapes and sizes and colors and like races, it doesn't matter. Every one of us has a bias about something and it really takes a long time to shift them. Because we have had them for so long, in most cases. Even if right now you're thinking, I don't have any bias, right? In fact, research shows that the more a person thinks they don't have biases, the more likely they are to be influenced by them. So I want you to recognize that, yes, you do have bias and you are influenced by it. And the more you can shine a light on that, the less you will be influenced by it. Uh, And finally, each episode, I'm going to touch on how we as women can minimize the impacts of each bias on ourselves and hopefully other women, because while systemic change is sorely needed, and I don't think there is anyone that is against systemic change, and we can certainly all work on influencing these changes as much as we can in whatever role we're in now, It's our behaviors that are within our control. And while changing our behaviors are not going to wipe out the effects of bias entirely, it can and will make a difference. Now, we can justifiably be annoyed, frustrated, 
even angry at times, and you may find yourself getting there within this very episode, uh, that we as women need to expend the extra energy to combat gender bias. And I get it. It's just that none of that actually changes things. It's my belief that growing our awareness of what needs to change, improving our ability to adjust our behavior where we can, and as we reach higher positions within our organization, continuing to advocate strongly for systemic change, that is what leads us to a better world for those that come after us. And isn't that what those have come before us have done? That's why we're not living in the Mad Men era anymore. So if it's important for you to progress, to make a bigger, more positive difference, despite the obstacles, then stick around. Okay, so let's get back to today's bias, the prove it again bias. Essentially, this is when, as women, we have to, well, I mean, it's in the name, right? We have to prove ourselves again and again. Now, it is based on outdated beliefs or stereotypes that men are more naturally suited to certain roles, particularly leadership roles or uh, sort of male-dominated industries, right? The, The specialized fields like science, technology, engineering, mathematics, the STEM world. So when they do well, when men do well in this world, in leadership, This meets our expectations of them, and so we believe it. It's confirming what we already think. Even when women excel in these areas, which of course we do, that goes against our unconscious expectations, and so we tend to chalk it up as luck, or we may even ignore it altogether. And so as women, we're left having to prove ourselves again and again. I know, it sounds super frustrating, right? Uh, And I definitely got frustrated as I was researching this episode. It really can be frustrating. The prove it again bias is one of those subtle yet kind of undermining aspects of workplace culture that I mentioned earlier. It's not usually this blatant, in-your-face kind of discrimination. There's no one out there telling women they need to be twice as competent as men to be considered half as good. So you may be forgiven for thinking this has never happened to you. You've never had to prove yourself again. And yet, when you hear some of the ways that it shows up, you might find yourself thinking again. In their book, What Works for Women at Work, Joan Williams and her daughter, Rachel Dempsey, outline five ways that this bias shows up at work. So let me take you through each one. Uh, The first is men are judged on their potential and women on their achievements. So I've seen a lot of research in this space. There's one that was done by Frontiers in Psychology in 2019. And what they did was give participants four resumes. Two highlighted an applicant's past success, what they had done well, their performance. And two emphasized the applicant's potential. And the people evaluating the resumes valued potential for male candidates while preferring the performance 
for women candidates. So men get promoted to leadership roles a lot earlier than women as there's no requirement to prove they can do the job before they have the job. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where it's like we're looking for leadership experience and you can't get a role until you've got leadership experience. Uh, For men, that's actually not a problem, but for women, it can be. So what on earth can we do to minimize this bias? Look, I'm not going to lie, it's tricky. In fact, minimizing any of these biases is going to be tricky. They've been around a really long time. But here are a few things. Firstly, let's make sure we are owning our achievements and that we let others know about them. And yes, there are ways you can do this without coming across as bragging. Secondly, ask for feedbacks feedbacks ask for feedback on the difference in performance between you and the man in the team that seems to be getting more opportunities for example in a recruitment process not too long ago I asked what the hiring manager would need to see from me in order to consider me for the role so I wasn't successful in the role and as I was seeking feedback I was like okay so what behavior do you need to see to consider me for this role next time Now, that's a good question, and I highly recommend asking that. However, in researching this episode, to take that further next time, I could perhaps help bring awareness to this bias to the hiring manager and have asked an example of how the other person that got the role showed this behavior so I could learn from him. Because there's a chance they have not shown the behavior. And so I'm sure that your hiring manager will come up with something for you. uh, But it may at least bring to their attention that they're putting a different uh, requirement on you than they did on the person, the man, getting the job. Uh, Finally, you can request feedback on your potential during performance reviews, not just achievements. So you could say something like, hey, I really appreciate your feedback on my performance in this role. I also want to understand what you see as my potential for future roles or projects. What areas of growth or leadership could you see me stepping into? And by doing this, you're not just passively accepting the status quo, right? You're asking your manager to see you in bigger and more challenging roles and that by that you're sort of subtly shifting their perspective and pushing them to consider you in terms of your potential. Okay, so back to our five ways that this bias shows up. Uh, the second one is what's important for the job is whatever the male candidate has. This might sound outrageous, but research shows that this is a is a real bias. In Williams and Dempsey's book, they outline a study run at Princeton where people were given two resumes. So one had better education. It highlighted the education that the person had. The other had more relevant work experience. And this was to apply for a construction role. Which resume got the job? Whichever resume had the man's name on top. So 
if the man's name was on the resume that had better education, then the person going through the resume said that education was more important for the role. If the man's name was on top of the resume that had more relevant work experience, then surprisingly, that was more important for the role. So it appears entirely unbiased, right? The person doing the hiring can point to the very logical reason they appointed the man over the woman. It's just that they changed the reason. So again, how do we tackle this? And honestly, this is a difficult one. It really needs to be tackled at the organization level. And I'll go into that shortly. There was one way I could think we can help ourselves with this one. And that is making a phone call to the hiring manager prior to submitting your resume and asking them what they are really looking for in an applicant. If nothing else, this makes them say it out loud, right? And that cements a requirement in their mind prior to allow bias, allowing bias to step in. And then you can highlight that aspect, whatever they say is most important, of your resume. All right, the third way this bias shows up is men's success is attributed to skill, while women's is overlooked entirely, or if, if it's seen, it's attributed to luck. Now, this is also known as attribution bias, and we're going to be diving into this a lot deeper in a future episode, so I'm not going to go into this one further today, um, but it is a, a subset of the prove it again bias. Okay, so the fourth one is objective requirements are applied strictly to women, but leniently to men. Now, this is an interesting one. So if we fail to meet a particular requirement, if the organization has policies or rules, even unspoken rules, then as women, we're held to account. And yet somehow men seem to get a pass. So yes, the rule's there, but we'll go easy on you this time. Uh, they use an example in the book of the military. Uh, actually, no, it was a West Wing episode where in the military, a woman is up for court-martial because she's had an affair and she won't stop having the affair uh, despite an order. Uh, and the president uh, within West Wing uh, goes to the man who is in charge of the court-martial and basically highlights to him how many times men have done the exact same activity and, and got away with it, not being court-martialed. And the guy in charge says, yes, but they didn't uh, not follow a strict order. And the president was like, well, sure, but that's because men never give men a strict order to stop an affair. So interesting. Uh, what can we do to counter this? So we can advocate for transparency and consistency in the application of rules at work. I think a good one is to share experiences with your peers to look for and identify the patterns of bias in this. So get stories shared, look for evidence where men are left, let off the hook um, and collect some data around it and then challenge it. If you see that male colleagues are not following the rules and yet are let off it, then you need to highlight how that is happening 
and how it is not happening for the woman in your organization. Uh, I've seen this in play, in fact, with one of the people that used to be in my team who was extremely combative, um, very rude, honestly, to most people that he dealt with uh, and often had shout out loud arguments in the middle of an open plan office. And at one point I... I didn't reprimand him, but I had a loud conversation with him because he was talking loudly at me, trying to help him, right? Trying to find a way to um, get around the frustration that he was venting. And guess who got called into the office by the senior leader? Yeah, it wasn't the guy that does the the shouting and uh, experience. Uh, shows his rudeness so yeah that was a really good example of where the rules are, rep- are applied to women and not so much to men uh, and finally the final way that this bias shows up is how when women talk about traditionally feminine topics it's seen as gossiping and yet when men discuss things like sport that's just part of business that's just a regular conversation So you may have experienced this, you may not have, um, but often our chats are reduced to gossip while men's sports banter is just, you know, normal. And this bias is again tied into gender stereotypes that women are associated with trivial matters and men with serious ones. And this shows up in more serious ways, right, where women's work is seen as more trivial, Uh, And men's work is seen as serious. And so that's why, because the majority of women are nurses, uh, sorry, the majority of nurses are women, that's seen as not as as hard work. They're not paid as well. And yet men with uh, engineering or some such profession, that's seen as very serious work and they are paid exceptionally well. So, What can we do about this one? Uh, First up, be sure to support other women when they speak up about their interests. Even if you're not specifically interested or you think yourself they're too feminine, um, give them some support and point out the double standard of men are belittling them, especially if all you hear in your office is talk of how the footy went last week. We should never shy away from sharing our interests regardless of the topic. A balanced workplace acknowledges and respects all conversations, whether they are about the latest footy scores or the newest fashion trends, regardless of who's talking about it. Why not encourage men to break stereotypes and they can start talking about children or hormones or fashion? And of course, women talk about footy scores. It's not just for men. Uh, But there's no reason why one needs to be gossip and one needs to be regular conversation. So I want you just to remember that understanding these biases is the first step to combating them, right? I encourage you though now to reflect on the times you've you've possibly encountered this bias, this prove it again bias, whether consciously or not. It is everywhere. Research has shown it is in every industry and knowing what it is and how it affects us is the first step towards tackling it. So 
after hearing about the ways prove it again bias shows up, you can probably see this has substantial implications for women. It affects us personally, professionally, and psychologically. So let's take a look at each of these. When we constantly feel the need to demonstrate our competence, it can create this cycle of feeling like we need to overachieve, and with that comes overworking, right? The pressure to continuously prove we're good enough, that might sound familiar, can lead to stress, it leads to burnout, even physical health issues over time. It can also significantly affect our sense of self-worth, confidence, and overall job satisfaction. When you think about it, is it any wonder so many of us suffer from imposter syndrome, where we think we're not as good as people seem to think we are, when despite what they're saying, we're also asked to prove ourselves again and again. In that environment, imposter syndrome just entirely makes sense. On a professional level, the prove it again bias can stifle innovation and productivity. Women may feel the need to fit into long held ways of working to prove their competence rather than taking risks or presenting innovative ideas. For example, let's say you're in a tech firm. Um, let's pretend we're in Silicon Valley, which is still a very male dominated Uh, place and industry and you come along with ideas around collaborative projects or open sharing of ideas and then you walk into the environment and instead you feel like you need to all of a sudden take on this more aggressive or competitive behaviors that go along with the norms of the workplace just so you can prove you're as capable as your male peers so you toughen up play the game and put your own style on the back burner. And you do this not because it's the best way to work, but simply to show them, hey, I can do this just as well as you can. And that's where the trouble starts. This constant need to fit in to prove ourselves stifles our ability to innovate and take risks, which in the long run can hurt productivity. And it's probably not the best place to to go from to get a leadership role, right? Uh, Which is the next point, which is prove it again, bias can limit our career progression. So other ways it can do this is you may find you are overlooked for challenging projects or leadership roles, not because you lack the necessary skills, but because of the unconscious bias that questions your abilities more than those of your male counterparts. What's worse is, as I kind of already alluded to, it can make us second guess ourselves when it comes to stepping up for leadership roles. If we're suffering from imposter syndrome or we are feeling exhausted at whatever level we're at now from constantly having to prove ourselves again, we can only imagine how much worse it's going to be as we move up the ladder. So in a nutshell, the prove it again bias is more than this issue of fairness, right? It can affect your health, your job satisfaction. It can affect how innovative you allow yourself to be. And ultimately, it's going to affect the success of the organization. 
And that brings us to, yes, as with all biases, the impact is not only on us as women, but it is also on our organizations. Uh, And it also affects men, by the way. So organizations are encouraging women, thankfully, to take the leap into leadership positions. And that's all great on paper. But if they're not tackling these ingrained practices and policies that create a disconnect between how women are seen and the qualities that people often link with leadership, which are based on masculine stereotypes, then basically we're on a hiding to nothing. So to truly support us, organizations need to do more than just offer words of encouragement. They need to ensure that their work environment fosters and values female leaders and feminine leadership approaches. So I think the first step is that organizations need to understand these biases exist and how they play out. And that means everybody in the organization. So we want to provide training that gives a better understanding of how these biases can unintentionally creep into our thinking, our decision-making processes, um, and that can help everybody recognize them when they occur. And look, I know there are studies out there that talk to the long-term effectiveness of bias training and really the outcomes aren't clear. However, research does show that training that is interactive includes practical exercises and focuses on solutions tends to be more effective than purely just telling people what the biases are. Uh, It also shows that voluntary training tends to be more effective than mandatory training, which I have definitely experienced in the workplace, uh, and that it needs to be part of a larger strategy uh, that doesn't, it's not just about training, it's got to include changes in policies and practices, uh, and you need to reinforce the training over time. A once and done is just not going to cut it with this. So what policies and practices can we change? Well, one of the most effective ones is through transparent performance evaluation criteria. So if as an organization or a leader, we clearly define what success looks like for every role, then we can make sure everyone knows what they need to do to excel and provide an easy way for individuals to track their progress. It can't be subjective. There needs to be an objective way of showing that you are performing up to scratch. Then, because your contributions are visible and acknowledged, you no longer have to prove yourself over and over again. Of course, this needs to coincide with clear guidelines and data about when leniency is applied to evaluations. No point making things clear and then still allowing men to get away with stuff. Another thing businesses can do is provide supportive environments where women can openly discuss their experiences. So often we're left to think that it's just us and that we are the problem. And so we need to provide environments where we can see that it is almost all women experience something in this realm of bias. Now, this could be in the form of a mentoring program uh, that's well run, well put together. Uh, It could be a women's leadership initiative of some type or another or a coaching program. 
and shameless self-promotion here, but if you're interested in implementing a coaching program in your organization to help women uh, navigate biases and get into leadership roles, reach out to me because this is one of the areas that I excel in. Okay. Uh, when we've got the opportunity to talk about this feedback that we're getting, share experiences and really truly support each other's growth in one of these environments like a coaching program, we can start to break down some of the barriers that we're up against. And it's especially helpful when we're navigating sensitive topics like gender bias or figuring out our own personal leadership hurdles. And that can take some really uh, specialist coaching to get through. We're able to be open and vulnerable in these spaces without the fear of being judged or misunderstood. In fact, a 2019 study by Harvard Business Review reported that women who received advice from a network of other women were more likely to be placed in executive roles with greater authority and higher pay and were more likely to land leadership roles in general. Now, these organizational steps, again, won't erase the prove it again bias overnight, but at least they're a start. All right. So I want to touch on how this prove it again bias interacts with the Her Leadership Way manifesto as well. And it all ties back to our three guiding principles. So first, as leaders, we ask powerful questions. And in dealing with this bias, this means inviting feedback, asking for clarification when we're expected to prove it again, and opening a discussion up about why these repeat performances are necessary. Being clear about how you've already proven yourself in this area if you're asked to prove yourself again. And this shift can help expose the bias and start some change. Now, the second principle of the manifesto is taking 100% responsibility. And if you've listened to the episodes on taking responsibility, you will know that this is not about blame. It's about recognizing when we're in situations where we are repeatedly asked to prove our worth. So by taking responsibility to become aware of when this bias is showing up, we can take the initiative to address it either by asking those powerful questions or maybe by setting boundaries so that we protect our time and energy. And finally, we give grace to ourselves and others. And this means shifting from a self-critical mindset to one of self-love, understanding that the need to constantly prove ourselves stems from external biases, not always our own capabilities. Similarly, it's about extending empathy rather than judgment to others who themselves are unconsciously swayed by bias. They are not doing this on purpose. So it's about encouraging a more compassionate, understanding conversation around these issues. And each of these mindset shifts offers a path for navigating the prove it again bias while staying true to ourselves. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want to continue the conversation about bias in the workplace or being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group. You will find the link in today's show notes. I also want to let you know that some of this podcast was created with the assistance of artificial intelligence. The ideas, examples and language are all still mine. However, I do occasionally get help with editing the audio 
writing the show notes and the occasional save from writer's block. I really encourage you as a leader to be familiarizing yourself with AI tools as well. Now, if you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you could rate the show and leave a review for others, that will really help them to find the show, uh, which will help them to become leaders from the inside out as well. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.